I hope you can hear that. That's the bird saying hi. And this is John Artberg with a couple of questions. When you get to the end of your life, and you will get to the end of your life, how would you like somebody to look back and describe it? Or let's make it a simpler question. When you get to the end of this day, and you will get to the end of this day, how would you like to have people to describe what you did with this day? Third question. You may or may not be a person of faith, probably familiar with Jesus. If you were going to try to describe Jesus's life, maybe to people that, that don't share a background of faith, or at least not of Christian faith, how would you do it? We actually know a good answer to that one. The Apostle Peter, this is in the New Testament, the book of Acts, I think it's the 10th chapter, is trying to describe Jesus to a group of people from a Roman background where they don't share that kind of Jewish environment. And this is the way he described it. He said, Jesus of Nazareth um, was filled by God with power and the Holy Spirit, and he went around doing good because God was with him. And I love the simplicity of that description. He just went around doing good. You can do that. You can do that today. We're looking at the reality that we were made to count. And it is as simple as this, really, that is something that we fulfill as we go around doing good. This is from Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy. This is incredibly helpful material. Dallas writes, uh, the obviously well-kept secret of the ordinary is that it is made to be a receptacle of the divine, a place where the life of God flows. But the divine is not pushy. Now let's pause there for a moment. Maybe the whole need that you have in these moments to hear these words is just that phrase right there. The divine, that is God, is not pushy. What does it mean to be pushy? Well, when you push someone, literally, physically, it means you try to move their body without the cooperation of their will. You are violating their little kingdom, and we all tend to push back when uh, COVID hit and the vaccines were first released and the co competition for them was intense. As you might remember, my mom who's in her mid eighties was in line to get one. And some people who were way too young, they didn't qualify, physically, literally pushed past people to get in line. So several folks, I don't think my mom was one of them, actually contacted the police who came. And this person said, when the police said, you got to leave, they said, what are you going to do, arrest me? And I think that's what happened. And I think that's kind of good. We all recognize people who are pushy. Very often they use words to try to pressure us, to force us to do what they want us to do in violation of our wills. The divine is not pushy. God will honor your will. God is not a pushy being. Dallas goes on. Now, considered apart from its creator, which was never intended, the ordinary truly is so ordinary and commonplace, it's of little interest or value. No atom by itself radiates solar power. In its own right, everything is always just another one of those. To be ordinary is to be only more of the same. And that's part of why reality, apart from God, loses the significance and the story and the glory for which it was intended. The human being screams against this from its every pore. To be just another one of those is deadening agony for us. Indeed, it actually drives some people to their death. It was never God's intention for anyone. No one was created by God to be just another one of those. This is why everyone, from the smallest child to the oldest adult, naturally wants, in some way, to be extraordinary, 
outstanding, making a unique contribution. This is not unspiritual. This is not unreligious. Um, this is not grandiosity. This is why you are made. It's a good thing for you and me to have that drive. Or if all else fails, wants to be thought so, if only for a brief time. The 15 minutes of fame that Andy Warhol said everyone would someday have in the modern media-saturated world may give desperate souls an assurance of uniqueness that could protect them from being nobody, at least in their own eyes. The drive to significance that first appears as a vital need in a tiny child and later as its clamorous desire for attention, look at me, look at me, is not egotism. Now, here's a bit about egotism. Egotistical individuals see everything through themselves. They are always the dominant figures in their own field of vision. Egotism is a pathological self-obsession, a reaction to anxiety about whether one really does count. It is a form of acute self-consciousness. The egotistical person cannot stop thinking about herself, himself, and can be prevented and healed only by the experience of being adequately loved. It is indeed a desperate response to frustration of the need. We all have to count for something and be held to be irreplaceable without price. And if you have an egotistical person in your life, it can be helpful to just think of them as someone with a desperate need that is going unsatisfied, that they are trying to fulfill in the wrong way. Unlike egotism, the drive to significance is a simple extension of the creative impulse of God that gave us being. It is not filtered through self-consciousness any more than is our lunge to catch a package falling from someone's hand. It is outwardly directed to the good to be done. It is outwardly directed to the good to be done. We were built to count as water is made to run downhill. We are placed in a specific context to count in ways no one else could. That is our destiny. Our hunger for significance is a signal of who we are and why we are here. It is also the basis of humanity's enduring response to Jesus, for he always takes the individual human being as seriously as their shredded dignity demands, and he has the resources to carry through with his high estimate of them. So today, Embrace the drive for significance that is in you. Now, that distinction between egotism on the one hand and the drive for significance on the other is very clear to me on paper. But it's harder to parse out in my life because we're all such a mixture. And I know that egotism uh, is at work in me. And often I will be able to detect it when it expresses itself through something like comparison with other people or envy of people who do the same kinds of things that I do and wishing that I could be as successful as those people. I remember Dallas saying one time, for pastors, even when they go on vacation, it can be difficult because they begin to experience approval withdrawal. And so uh, to recognize when I'm pulled away from that system, I might have those kind of symptoms of withdrawal, get a little bit irritable, get a, bit, a little bit lonely, get a, you know, uh, wanting more of it. 
it's good to recognize, nope, there is egotism in me. It's always been in me. And for it to die is good. But then the drive to significance is always focused outwardly on the good to be done. And one of the things that I'm grateful for in this season is um, that there will be conversations that I can have with people, good to be done. I had several last week with pastors that have experienced pain in their church life or talked to a mom who uh, is, was the mother of five children and four of them have died across a span of 40 years. And we had a conversation together that I expect I probably would not have had if it were not for the pain that we have gone through. And so there is good to be done. And now in this season, even though there is pain in my life, there is also good that can flow out of that pain that would not be there if it were not for that pain. What is good that you can do today? Don't worry about the scale of it. Do good to one person. I was talking to a good friend last week, and he's been going through a very difficult season. He's got a, a diagnosis uh, physically of a condition that is uh, extremely dire and had one parent die quite recently and another one is going through dementia and he's having very painful conversations. And uh, he was in a public setting, very upset by all of this kind of stuff. He's not the kind of person to show it too easily. And a young man came up to him and said, I hope this doesn't sound strange, but I just had this prompting. I think it was God to come over and pray for you. Would that be okay? And my friend was like, are you kidding me? And my friend doesn't said he doesn't have, often have experiences where it feels like God is just sending him a message of care. But this was one. That's one person doing good for one person. Jesus went around doing good. You can do that today. Doesn't matter how educated you are. Doesn't matter how adequate you think you are or not. Doesn't matter what pain you have been through. By the end of this day, people might say about you, she went around, he went around doing good. Now ask God, just like this guy did, God, would you prompt me? Would you help me notice if there is somebody that I could pray for, if there's somebody that I could encourage, if there is an errand that I could run, if there is a note that I could write, if there is a call that I could make, if there is a gift that I could give. You are made to count. We'll talk about that more next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.